and I'd see them up in the distance and I'd get like an adrenaline rush and I'd start to speed up and then they'd see an MDA shirt come in and they'd start cheering super loud and then I'd feeling like I'm Usain Bolt and I'd start sprinting and I'd regret it after I got past them. Dizruns Radio episode 952 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is sponsored, maybe? I don't know how, it's not It's not really sponsored because uh, today's sponsor is the Little Things course, which is free, which means that not entirely sure how it's a sponsor, but it's at least a shout out. It's at least a, a little something, something that uh, we have available that uh, you can check out if you haven't done so already. Uh, you've probably heard me talk about the little things before and why I feel like they're pretty important and pretty invaluable. And you also may have heard me admit that I'm not always as good at doing the little things as I should be doing. Uh, But when we're talking about the little things, often I'm talking about cross training, recovery stuff like foam rolling or stretching, things like that. Um, Maybe a little bit of diet, nutrition, also sleeping, all things that I think are, are vital in terms of helping the miles that we log actually actually help us get the most bang for our buck right like like get the most benefit from the training that we do um so if if you're thinking about you know maybe some some things that you could shore up uh lord knows i've got some loose ends that i need to shore up when it comes to little things so maybe i need to re- revisit the little things course but again it's all free videos text the whole nine yards at disruns.com slash little things go go check it out um and maybe do a little bit better job than i do at putting putting the uh the the examples from the course and the, the things you learn from the course into practice. And then feel free to tell me how much better you're feeling and how much you're improving. And maybe that'll help kick my uh, little behind into gear and help me get on back on track with some of the little things as well. But check it out. Dizruns.com slash little things. Let me know how it goes for you. And uh, now without any further ado, let's go ahead and uh, dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, today's guest is someone that uh, has definitely seen the payoff of hard work and consistency, especially over the last few years, uh, where he's he's knocked almost an hour off of his marathon times between uh, 20, 2017 and twenty nineteen. Um, and as as you'll find out, it's not one of those. And, and I say this like you know, it's not like it's it's ever easy to knock an hour off your marathon time. But when you're when you're already starting at sub four, that hour that's 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 smooth sailing right there. And that's, that's what he's done. So, uh, obviously a lot of, a lot of work that got, has gone into that and looking forward to kind of hearing how that's happened. Um, but even more so, maybe more impressive at least is uh, the amount of good that he's done with his running as well. Um, raising thousands of dollars over the past few years in support of the muscular dystrophy association, uh, where he's part of the team MDA, uh, running group. Um, and I think that's probably ultimately where we first got connected. But, uh, anyway, today's conversation is very much long overdue and uh, I'm excited to be able to finally go a few easy miles today with Mr. Chess Hutchinson. So, Chess, thanks for uh, for joining us today, and welcome to the show. Yeah, Denny, thanks for having me. Yeah, I was um, I'm very flattered by that intro, and I was just as flattered when I got the email being a, a fan of the show, and and I got an email. I'm like, I was invited to go on, and I was I told my wife, and she's like, what? And I'm like, 
Okay. Well, it was exciting <laughs> for me anyway. <laughs> well, glad, glad to have you. And guys, if you enjoyed today's conversation and want to connect with Chess, uh, Social media is, is like is basically Facebook forum. Facebook and Strava are the places he's most active, um, and those places are easy to find people because you just search for their name and, and they pop up. But it's Chess C H E S, so Chess uh, Hutchinson. Um, obviously, you can see it on your device, see it on your phone, how to spell it, all that good stuff. But we'll have it linked up as well as we always do. Uh, Dizruns.com slash nine five two for today is the the link back to the show notes. Dizruns.com slash five nine five two. Connect with Chess on Facebook, on Strava. Follow along as uh, he's he's chasing down some some big goals as as uh, we will get into. I'm sure as we discuss today. So, uh, Chess, like you said, you're a fan of the show. You've you've heard the show at least a, a few times in your day, uh, so you know what's coming right off the bat. So let's just throw it out there and, and see where it takes us. That's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? All right. So favorite distance to race uh, is for me, it's definitely the marathon. Uh, it's the it's the race that made me fall in love with running. Um, it's the race that got me connected to MDAT Momentum, which is the group that I represent in every race that I run and that I absolutely love uh, all the fans and the, and the cause and everything that the MDA stands for. Um, I loved everything about my first marathon, the, the training the the excitement at the expo, the excitement on the course. Uh, I remember crossing the finish line. I was pretty confident I was going to finish, but there's nothing like actually crossing that line for the first time. And I called my wife and I was like choking up and I just said, I did it. I did it. And it was just, you know, the, the memories and the emotions of the of running the marathon is is just something that uh, it, it's magical. That's by far my 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 favorite. I have a close second. And I'd like to talk about that because I don't think I've ever heard anybody mention it. And I'm curious if you might guess what it might be. Oh, Lord. Well, a close second that no one has ever mentioned. That, that's, that narrows it down because uh, the, there's, there's – and I don't know all the distances you've raced. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'll say something, some random number like, uh, I don't know, 30, 30K or something like that. <laughs> I, if it's if it's something that someone else has said, then I apologize for the drama. But it's the mile. I, I don't okay. know if I've ever heard anybody say the mile is their favorite. It's such a iconic distance as far as like there's so many books that have been written about it. Uh, Neil Bascom's The Perfect Mile. There's the story of Roger Bannister and running, you know, his quest to to uh, break the four minute barrier. Um, the cult running classic Once a Runner uh, is focused on the mile. And I had always kind of poo-pooed the mile. Right. And then uh, we had a corporate event where we had a team signing up. And I'm like, why would I sign up to just run a mile? You know, and I kind of whatever. But I signed up and it was like the most fun I had outside of the marathon, just running a mile, giving it all you got and uh, and kind of seeing where you stack up in, in, that, in that race. So I, I feel like that in, in that race that um, – that we have here in Minneapolis, it's like the only mile I can run. So I have like all year round. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, it's coming up on the mile again. And, and there, it's not like a 5k where you can sign up for one every weekend. I get like one shot out of the year and I think like, okay, how can I do this year versus previous year? So, uh, so the mile is a close second. It's just a, a really fun race and, and anybody can participate in it. Fair enough. And, and I, I, um, you know, I, I clearly have a, a longstanding bias against the, the 5k, um, but I have done a mile race before, and I I will agree with you that it is it is a good distance. It is it is hard, um, but unlike the five k where it's hard for three 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 point one three point one miles. Excuse me, I can't even talk this morning. But like unlike that, like it's hard for just one mile, um, which 
maybe you're splitting hairs here, but like it's it's a little bit more tolerable hard. Um, and and I think that you're right. Maybe the the idea that you can't just find one any old time you want to a, a legit mile long race, uh, maybe that adds to the mystique a little bit. Yeah, and I'm never I would have never been a a four minute runner, but I was just kind of curious like what it would feel like. And the first time I, I ran, I just wanted to break six, mm-hmm. and I got five fifty nine point eight, so I barely broke nice. six. But my throat was on fire, my lungs were on fire. <laughs> I was like. I mean, I was given, I was getting after it. And, uh, I was like, wow, I, I never would have thought I would feel like this after that short of a distance. But, um, but then the cool thing was there's like the, you know, like the, maybe the couch to 5k crowd or some of my, my coworkers, they're, they are only a couple of minutes behind you. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like everybody, there's the camaraderie that you can have where if it's a, a longer distance, you might be waiting quite a while for, for, uh, you know, various levels of, uh, of running ability. So Everybody kind of finishes around the same time. It was just a really, it's a really cool, uh, cool event. So race directors make more one mile races, please. Yes. <laughs> They're fun. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I will agree with that. So how'd you get, how'd you get started in the sport? Jess, is it, is it something that, um, and I kind of, I think I kind of know a little bit, but you know, it, it, have you been running for a long period of time, but a bit more recently, like kind of, how'd you find your way into it? Yeah. So I, I, I was kind of thinking about that. Um, and I looked back and I ran just a few, 5Ks for fun in like 2008. Um, I ran another one for fun a, a year or two later. And then I had a, uh, a St. Paddy's Day 7K that I ran. And I kind of did it straight off the couch, no training, brand new shoes, um, <laughs> hurt, hurt my foot, and uh, ended up having to go to urgent care. I 28 years old. I had to call my mom in the morning because I couldn't even, couldn't even, uh, you know, drive myself to take me to urgent care. I thought I had a, a fracture, mm. um, but it was maybe just some tendonitis, but, um, had a pretty, had to wear a boot for about a week. And, uh, that was my last race. Uh, that was in 2011. That was my last race until I signed up for the Chicago marathon in 2015. Um, and that was just kind of like on a, on a random email. Um, I think Pat Sawhill, one of my teammates said the same thing happened to him. I was just kind of going through my email. I was already connected to MDA and I had an email that said, hey, we have a team for the Chicago Marathon. If this is on your bucket list, you know, contact us. And I turned to my wife and I'm like, hey, I had uh, so a little bit of backstory. I had um, we had I had uh, gained some weight while my wife was pregnant with our first mm-hmm. child and and everything. And I was up to 240 pounds and um, I had started to just kind of do some lunchtime cardios and, and treadmill runs to try to lose some weight. And I'm like, you know, I'm running like a 5k every day. I think I could run a marathon. And she's like, well, if you think you can do it, do it. So I signed up and, um, I got the training plan and I was like, Whoa, I'm not running nearly enough. Um, (laughs) and, uh, yeah. And I just, like I said, I had so much fun with that training and everything. I just fell in love with it. And I never, I've never gained the, the weight back. I've lost I lost like 50 pounds in that training cycle and it stayed off, you know, mm-hmm. five years, six years later. So, um, that's kind of how I got started. So I went straight from kind of overweight to uh, running a marathon seven months later. Wow. That's, that's, uh, um, you know, <laughs> kind of bapti- baptism by fire, right? Like just jumping into it, <laughs> uh, getting after it. And, and you said earlier that that first marathon, which, which I, I will agree as well that like that first, like you know, crossing a marathon finish line is always special. But the first one, especially, maybe especially in, in my case, and maybe sounds like your case as well, when you haven't kind of climbed the ladder, when you haven't done a bunch of halves and, and kind of worked your way up a little bit, 
um, it's really special because you just don't you don't you don't know you don't know what it's like you don't know what it's going to feel like. But you said that that first marathon was a pretty special experience. How was the the finish line at least? How was the the actual first marathon? Was it was it pretty smooth sailing? Good training the whole nine yards? Was it uh, was it a bit rougher than you anticipated? How did that that first twenty six point two go? Uh, first twenty six point two. I think so. I don't know. Running, I just kind of took to it. So even though you know I came in um, pretty heavy and I, I couldn't even run a mile. Like in, I would say in March of 2015, I couldn't even run a mile without stopping. Um, but once I started to, to really like, you know, get myself in shape, um, I, I started to feel good and I felt like it was something that, you know, my body was just made to do. And, um, I had an ambitious goal. I was, I w- at first I was like, you know what, I'd like to run it under four. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to run it in three thirty. Mm. with, which like, I never would have thought, you know, three thirty in a marathon that, um, you know, when I was, was out of shape was possible. Um, but I had, as part of my training, I signed up for a, for a half and I ran 145. So I said, Oh, I'll just run that half and do it again. (laughs) Um, but I ended up, I ended up coming in at 345, which I was super happy with. Um, the last few miles were, were were a little bit painful, you know, hitting that wall Mm -hmm. for the first time. Uh, that was real. But, um, yeah, it was just, I remember just being at the expo and hearing like, there was, it was an international event. There were people from, you know, Costa Rica and all these countries and they were, they were doing chants and, and other languages. And there was just this energy. And I just, that whole energy just carried throughout the whole weekend in the race. And it was just uh, amazing. And the MDA is headquartered in Chicago and they had a handful of cheer stations throughout the race. And I would remember seeing, we had these obnoxiously bright yellow shirts that we were wearing in our, in our, um, in our, um, cheer groups aware and I'd see them up in the distance and I'd get like a adrenaline rush and I'd start to speed up and then they'd see an MDA shirt come in and they'd start cheering super loud. And then I'd feeling like I'm Usain Bolt and I'd start sprinting and I'd regret it after I got past them, <laughs> but I wasn't going to let them see that. So, um, so yeah, that was just, there was just so much energy in that first marathon is kind of like, you know, the, the, the endorphins that I'm still chasing all these years later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, I'm sure it, it helped, um, having the, the MDA connection because, you know, if, if there was ever, you know, any wavering or you're struggling a little bit, like you said, having those cheer sections, having people recognizing you for your shirt and, and calling out, um, that, that's, that's a nice little boost that, uh, can, can help carry you through, get that adrenaline going. And, and obviously, I mean, 345, certainly nothing to, uh, to shake a stick at. That's, that's, that's a, that's a barrier that I still haven't gotten to yet. And I'm, you know, several marathons deep. That was the first one. That's, that's pretty darn good. So, so great job on that first, that first race. Thank you. How did you? Yeah, uh, I, and I was cautioned. I was, oh, sorry. I was just going to say I was cautioned. Like a lot of people said, you know, it's your first one. Don't even run for time. Just mm-hmm. run for fun. But I kind of have a, I don't know, a little bit of a competitive thing in me where I was like, I'm going to, you know, I, I just, I just kind of wanted to see if I could do it. And obviously I fell short of the three, um, three thirty, but I was still super proud that I, you know, beat the B goal of, uh, of getting under four. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's, I, I agree with the whole, don't, don't worry too much about the time for the first one, but at the same time, it's nice to have goals. It's nice to work towards. And, and certainly, uh, you know, 345 is, is like I said, nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with that. And then, you know, you've, you've gone under 330 since then, which we'll get to, we'll get to here eventually. Um, but, but I'm curious, you know, like you said, 
the the thing that kind of got you started, got you motivated, was getting an email from from MDA. How did you get uh, associated with with the Muscular Dystrophy, Dystrophy Association? Get on their email list to get their emails and, and decide to ultimately sign up. And like you said, pretty much every race you run, you're you're representing your your team momentum gear. Like, how, where did that connection come in? Yeah, so that connection was again kind of just a random thing. Um, I have a, a coworker who has a son who has a, a muscle disease and. Um, they have a, a local camp here in Minnesota every summer, and there's always a struggle to find um, male volunteers. Uh, a lot of the volunteers are like nursing students, which mm-hmm. tend to uh, sway toward uh, female um, volunteers. So once uh, kids are age 12, they have to have a same gender um, counselor, and it's a one-to-one ratio. Every camper has their own counselor because of the, the special needs nature of um, muscle disease. And he, he said, hey, we're looking for some volunteers. I know you have a brother who just graduated high school. If he's not doing anything this summer, maybe, maybe he, um, you know, wouldn't mind doing this. And I reached out to him and he ended up getting a job and he couldn't go. But then I decided to go and absolutely fell in love with the organization, fell in love with the kids, um, all the great work that MDA does. And I ended up going back, uh, seven years in a row until I became a dad. And then once I became a dad, um, you know, the family life made it, hard to, to pick up and go for an entire week, um, in the summer. But then I got the email and I could stay connected to MDA through team momentum and continue to advance their mission and to raise funds for them. So that's kind of my new, um, that's kind of my new way of, of being part of MDA is, is through the, through team momentum. Um, so it's very grateful that they started this team and that I was invited to join. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I, 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 the good that that charities can can do just in general is is fabulous and and obviously it's something that i've talked with with several folks and i've got to experience it uh you know a year plus ago with with running for um team and training with with leukemia lymphoma society another great group another group doing great great work um but but the 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 camaraderie i guess is something that um I've been able to see by, by being tangentially related to the team momentum group over the years on, on Facebook, um, Mm -hmm. and, and offering a little bit of advice here and there when, when I'm able to, um, but, but that group really is, I mean, it's awesome how connected everybody is and, and, uh, some of those relationships that, that form. And I'm sure, you know, even more so when you get to, to race day and get to see everybody in person, but how, how, from your perspective and that, that first race, obviously, you know, MDA important to you for, for plenty of reasons. Um, but if you can go back in time to those that, you know, that signing up for that first marathon and, and being associated with the group, how, how much of a impact or how beneficial was the teamwork was the, the, the coaching was the accountability was the, the challenges that I know sometimes, sometimes y'all do, um, what role did that all play in your development and training ultimately for your first marathon? Uh, it was instrumental. So I would say one of the things that you mentioned that I even forgot about that we, that we did that I, I love so much were the challenges. There was week by week, uh, we're going to do the boys versus the girls this week. And we're going to do, um, the rookies versus the vets. I was part of the year two of the team. So there was, um, uh, some alums versus us rookies. And those challenges just really helped keep you on your training plan. And, uh, you know, they kind of um, scratched my itch for competition a little bit during the training. And um, that was that was great leading up to it. And then also for me, I'm in Minnesota and the vast majority of our runners are from uh, the, the Chicago area. 
So like getting to meet everybody in person after months of interacting through Facebook mm-hmm. and our group was something that I looked forward to in our, our banquet. And then, as you know, with runners, everybody likes to talk about how your race go and everything. We had uh, a finishers area where we had um, like a banquet hall just just for us to kind of mingle and and everybody to kind of get rehydrated and get some food afterwards and just being able to talk to everybody about how the race went. And what was your favorite part? And where did you bonk? And all that was just it all kind of went into the whole experience. And I, I think if it was just me signing up on my own and going out and running and then just kind of packing up and going home, it just wouldn't have been the same, not even close to the same. So uh, having that team and and continuing to be part of the team is just, you know, it makes it even, you know, 10 times better than it would have been otherwise. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And it's it's definitely, um, even for, for people that, that just absolutely love running uh, and, and have no problem running on their own, um, it is it is nice sometimes, especially if you grew up playing team sports, to to kind of have some of that team environment and kind of you know supporting each other and cheering each other on. Um, it's it's definitely a lot of fun. Um, I guess since we're kind of on the the MDA subject right now, I'd just love to to pick your brain a little bit, which is something that I do pretty much anytime I talk to somebody who I know has done some serious fundraising for for races um, over the years. Because as as I said before, I I jumped in with team and training a couple years ago, like that, that fundraising piece was always kind of the, the, the thing that held me back. Like just the, the, I don't know, fear is quite the right word, but maybe being uncomfortable with asking for money and trying to get donations and and coming up with ways to do that. Um, being a veteran now, being somebody who's run multiple races over the years, raising money along the way, um, you know, what are some, maybe some, some tips, some tricks or some things that have worked for you that, you know, for folks that now that races are coming back into play and people are, are getting back out there, hopefully to, to, run, but also to maybe do some fundraising along the way. Um, what are some ways that you found it that have really kind of worked when it comes to raising money for, for team MDA? Yeah. And what's funny, I, I remember listening back to some of your, your, uh, podcasts when you hadn't run for charity yet. And you mentioned some of those, those fears that you had. And I had a lot of those, those same fears, like no one's gonna, you know, people are gonna think of me a certain way that I'm like asking them to do something for me, like I'm asking for a handout or, or, or something like that. But what I found was just the simplest way was just to ask um, and let people know that it's, you know, what, what the mission um, is for. So if there's something, so I don't personally have a, a family connection to, uh, to muscle disease, but I have a connection through my campers and I have a connection through the families that I've met through team momentum. And I just share their story and say this these funds, these, these are helping real people with real problems. And, and I just ask, um, friends and family to, to donate. And that's been pretty successful for me is just making an ask and, uh, and people have been generous enough to give. We have done a few small events, um, with my wife. We, you know how you collect gift cards on on holidays and whatnot. You just end up, you just end up never going. Mm -hmm. So she put together an event and we invited a bunch of friends over for a barbecue and we just auctioned off um, silent, silent auction, a bunch of, uh, these items like gift cards. And we had some friends make some art and, um, you know, just kind of things like that. And that was a fun way to spend some, spend some time with friends and family in the summer and also do some fundraising. Um, I'm looking to get, uh, looking forward to getting back to more of that in, in the mm-hmm. last year. It's been a lot of just asking and it's been virtual, but looking forward to, uh, you know, some of those get togethers where you can, you know, spend time and talk to people about your connection to the, to the organization. Um, so I would say, uh, find something that you have a connection to and that you can share that story and, uh, don't be afraid to ask people, people 
you know, are looking for places to give. So when you, you know, give them a reason, you'll, you'll be surprised. I'm surprised by the people that I haven't talked to for years that I'll pop up and, you know, you've got a donation from, oh my God, I haven't seen them in 20 years since, since high school. And they, and they just, you know, saw the post and they donated and it's just, um, every single one of them is touches me. And I always make sure I, I reach out and, and thank the person, um, because, it's just, I'm like, wow, I can't, I haven't talked to this person in, in a long time. And they actually took the time to, to make a donation to support something that I care a lot about. So yeah, yeah I, just, just the ask. Yeah. I, I think, I think that I, I, um, kind of found the same thing for, for myself. Um, and, and I guess I guess this is where I'm going to try to encourage folks that are thinking about doing it, that, that asking piece is so big because, um, I, I know for me, sometimes I felt like, well, I've, I asked, you know, a week ago. And so I don't want to ask again or, or, you know, like, like feeling like I could, if I was asking too much, then it would be to be too much. But how many times have, have I meant to donate to somebody or meant to do something, but like I was on the go mm-hmm. and it wasn't a good time to, to pull out the credit card and sign up and do all the things right then. And then, you know, busy out of sight, out of mind, you forget about it. Um, so, you know, just maybe not, you find the right frequency for you, but don't be afraid to ask multiple times because there's people out there that are willing to do it, but it's just, you know, or it's just the algorithm, right? The algorithm doesn't show up something in somebody's feed. So like keep, keep putting it out there, keep mentioning it in different places. And, and you're right, Chess, like people are willing to donate, which again, I was worried about, but I, I definitely found people are willing to donate um, if you just ask them. So make sure you're asking for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember one of the, one of my uh, friends, I just asked him, I said, what, you know, one, I hadn't talked to the, uh, someone I hadn't talked to in a long time. And I said, Hey, you know, what, what made you decide to donate? And they said, just because you asked. And I, you know, that was as simple, it was as simple as that. So, um, asking is the hardest part, but, uh, it's something that's extremely rewarding if, when you do get those donations rolling in for, for something that you care about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you mentioned kind of in the intro that, that you've, uh, in, in a couple years, knocked off a pretty good chunk of time in, in your marathon. So, you know, the, the first marathon, 345, everything's great. Um, but 2017, it, it, correct me if I got my facts wrong, but you sent me the facts, so I think I got these right. Uh, 2017, you run a 355. Still, nothing nothing to be ashamed of. Break four hours, that's great. Um, but 2019, fast forward a couple years, several races mixed in there, but but lots of training, lots of work. Um, you're down in that, that three hours flat category. Um I don't want to just say, how did, how did you do it? But like, let's, let's kind of walk through it a little bit. So, you know, that three fifty five was that a, was that a disappointing finish for you or, or, um, like what was that race? Like, how did things go kind of start us at, at that point and then we'll work forward. Yeah. So the three fifty five was, um, my second slowest. I think it was my fifth that I had run. I had kind of bounced around the three forty five, three fifty, three forty five. I kind of meandered in that area. Um, I had to sprint to the end of grandma's in on a hot day in 2016 to make sure I made it under four. I think I finished in like 359, 38 or something like that. It was just barely under the four. Um, and so, you know, I had kind of ever since that first one, I hadn't really improved. And, and I was looking forward to, uh, you know, running a, a, you know, hitting that 330, which had been the goal ever since the first one at, that day in Chicago. And um, the wheels kind of fell off around mile like 16, 17 and ended up you know, coming in at the 3:55, and um, and you know, I had a big goal of of Boston, and I just remember when I crossed at 3:55 at the time for my age, uh, a BQ would have been a 
a 310 and I'm like, it's just never going to happen. Like I'm not going to, I can't even get to 330. I'm going backwards. I'm never going to run three flat or, you know, 310. Um, And then as you know, uh, a few months later, they actually made the qualifying (laughs) time even harder because it was too easy. It was too easy (laughs) for some and they were having to reject too many runners. So they said, now it's going to 305. And I'm like, okay, now I'm 50 minutes too slow for the for the time how am I going to knock 50 minutes off and uh so yeah I was pretty I I had I thought you know it was it was impossible but um then I I don't know I don't know exactly what uh changed I guess I've I've always kind of just like looked for advice from from other runners and uh you know people would tell you different things oh you got to run a lot of fast miles or you got to run this or that Mm -hmm. but um I ended up um just trying to run more and just running for fun and, and increase my miles. And then I surprised myself one day. Um, then the, the next race was October, 2018 at twin cities. And I ran my three thirty. I didn't even have a time goal. I just said, I'm just going to run this race because, you know, I've been putting all this pressure on myself to run a three thirty, and, and it's never happened. And I didn't have any speed training. I just kind of was running. And, um, that day I just felt great. And there's a big hill at the end of twin cities. And I sp- I'm sprinting past people on the hill at mile 20 and that's where everybody else is hitting the wall. And I felt great. And I just kept going faster and faster the closer I got to the end. And then I got the three thirty, and I said, maybe it's possible after all. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point I, I, I looked at a few different options and I found a, a plan that I liked through, uh, the Hanson's plan through a uh, coach by Luke Humphrey. And I kind of religiously started following that plan. Um, and then, and, um, 2019 in June, I ran a 315 or excuse me, 314 at grandma's. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm halfway there. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, that October ended up, I I was kind of hoping maybe, uh, sub three would, would be possible. I came up a little bit short at three hours and 51 seconds, but, um, yeah, I following that plan kind of got me from, you know, the 330 that I had chased for years and years to get into the BQ in just a, a short while short while later. So gotcha. that's kind of how I got there. That's, that's a, a heck of a, a progression. Uh, we'd love to, to break it down a little bit, just a, to, to scratch my coaching mind questions a little bit, but B just to kind of hear a little more of the details. So, um, what was your mileage like before you, like you said, you kind of bumped the mileage up. That was kind of a, I feel like that was a big, a big piece of the puzzle, but what was your mileage like, you know, leading up to that, um, that race in 2017 where you got the 355, and then, then where did you bump it up to? I would say I was probably doing like an average of maybe like 35 miles a week, just kind of following a Hal Higgins style plan mm-hmm. where I'd run four to six miles during the week and then a progressively longer run on the weekends. And then I just started to go out and just run for, you know, I was like, you know, uh, an hour is a good amount of time to run. I, I enjoy that. So I start to my daily runs instead of being four miles started to be more like, um, more like six or seven miles and then a little bit longer, eight or nine miles. So I'd say my mileage probably crept up closer to 50 and they were all kind of just as I felt without any, any specific, um, goal in mind. And I would try, I would try to do at least two or, uh, or three, 10 mile runs per week and, you know, just to enjoy the weather and, and things like that. And, um, you know, I would say, you know, I probably topped out at maybe like a 55 or, or 60 mile week. And then ran that race. And I remember people asking me going into the race, like, what's your time goal? And I said, I don't really have one. I'm just going to run. And I think my first 5K was like a, like a nine-minute average, like, you know, just mm-hmm. on pace for a four-hour. But I, st- I was feeling good, so I kept 
speeding up as I got through and I shocked myself when I was at a 3:30 by the finish um so so yeah that was kind of before and then when I started with the the Lou Comfrey um coaching of the Hanson's plan that one you run six days a week four of those runs you just run kind of like I described the as you fail just go at an at an easy pace definitely not a fast pace just keep it super super easy um, but twice a week, you really get after it, either with an interval run or a run at your goal marathon pace. And um, I had never done specific speed training before. I wasn't a cross country runner in high school, um, anything like that. So, like, I had to try to figure out what these workouts even meant, let alone complete them. Like, what does 12 by 400 mean? <laughs> right. Um, so then I'm like, and I've never run on a, I still don't run on a track. I've never run on a track. I just, program the distances in my garment and go and go out and do them. But, um, but yeah, that really like, I, it was kind of, and I was super intimidated when I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've got to run 12, mm-hmm. 12 of these at my 5k pace, like kind of, you know, back to back with a brief recovery. Um, so I started doing them on a treadmill because I didn't think I could actually push myself to run that fast mm-hmm. on my own. Um, also it was winter in Minnesota, which is brutal. <laughs> right. But, um, but yeah, so that that speed work really just helped with with um you know peeling off the the time to be able to run that fast. So gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's it definitely kind of builds upon itself, and and obviously you know people that have been listening for a while know that I'm I'm big time on the the effort based training. Like obviously I'm like all in on the heart rate, but like you know there's different ways of doing it. But it sounds like you really you know whether it's with with the Hansons or even you've just kind of stumbled upon it a little bit by yourself, but just running without worrying about pace, without worrying about things, uh, as far as, you know, have to be at this split or have to get this number of miles. You're just kind of listening to your body, trusting what you're feeling, um, really gave you the, the type of base that then once you incorporated the speed workout, I mean, you know, just results speak for themselves. Like it just really took off. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, it was, it, it was, it was probably, it was almost like the first time where I, you know, when I started training for the first marathon, I think the longest I had ever run was like from my house to a nearby lake around the lake and home is about five miles. And that was the longest I'd ever run. So every, so that first cycle of marathon, when I, when I ran seven miles, that was the first time I'd ever run seven miles. And I was just like ec- ecstatic about it. And then 10 miles, oh my God, I did, I did double digit mileage. And then every time I ran a, a longer distance, it was the first time. And I kind of felt like that with the with the speed training, it was like, I can't believe I just completed, you know, the workout of running that fast for, you know, that much when I, on paper, I was just terrified of it, just like I was with the distance previously. So, um, definitely, you know, push you out of your comfort zone a little bit, but, um, I don't think I would have ever gotten to, you know, the, the hitting that BQ goal. Mm -hmm. Um, if I hadn't, if I hadn't pushed myself to, to, you know, take on that challenge of running those, those doing those speed, those speed runs. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, you know, and again, something that I don't maybe stress as much as, as I could maybe should, but there's value in those, no matter what your, your planets are, no matter what your training philosophy is like there, there is, there's a time and a place to go hard. And so, uh, it just, it just helps. I think my, my belief is having that base in place first is kind of important. It really gives oh, yeah. you something to, to build off of. But, um, so, so you, you, you crush it, you know, three hours, 51 seconds, solid BQ. Um, but if, you know, as, as it turns out, maybe not the year to get the BQ. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I remember seeing that, um, basically that, that your BQ was enough that you were set to run 2020. Obviously the race got postponed then went all virtual. 
Um, is that accurate? Were you, were you ready to go until pandemic and everything kind of got turned on its head? So the, so twin cities marathon is actually about three weeks after oh, okay. the 2020 cutoff. So, um, but if you, if you could put that race in a time machine and back it up by three weeks, it would have been good enough to get into the, uh, 2020 race and by a pretty comfortable margin, I think. So I had a cushion of like 409 and I think the cut was like 147, right. something around there. So, I mean, I would have made it by, by a couple of minutes, but, um, then the pandemic hit and, um, they kind of had like a double qualifying window. So anybody that had, that made the 2020 qualifying window also got, um, put in with the people that made the 2021 qualifying window. Um, and actually just two or three days ago, um, they announced it was 747. So it ended up being from a couple of minutes comfortably into a, a couple of minutes excruciatingly out. Right. But thankfully, um, I have this wonderful team through MDA where I reached out to the endurance managers and said, Hey, do you guys have any bibs for Boston? You know, I'm heartbroken. I didn't get in. And he said, I, I knew this was a dream you had. And I knew how, I know how much you worked to get in there. He's like, I, I had one saved for you just in case this happens. So uh, I'm now running Boston and going to be able to, to line up at Hopkinton after all and doing it with uh, the team that I love. And regardless if I got in on a time qualification or not, I was going to create a page and fundraise for NDA. Mm -hmm. But um, now it's official that uh, they're the reason that I'm there and uh, extremely proud to to be representing the team and be able to run this fall in Boston for MDA. Yeah, that's that's awesome, and and I, I definitely want to get back to that and and kind of the 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 combination of of um, being able to run and, and raising money and things like that for the fall. But um, what was you know since maybe this is maybe this is a poor time to to ask about it since the wound is probably still a little <laughs> bit fresh. Um, but but what was what was it like when um, you know you, you enter your you enter your name you enter your qualifying time. I feel like you probably had an idea that it was going to be close, but nobody really knew what the window was going to look like this year. And as far as what, you know, mm -hmm. how much under you had to be, um, what, I, I, I got to assume it was a, quite a roller coaster of emotions, but what was, what was the last, you know, from the time you submitted the, the time until the, the notices came out if, just a couple of days ago as we're recording this, um, what was, what was that kind of like for you? Was it, was it pins and needles the whole time? I mean, what, what were you feeling? What were your emotions like? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I braced myself. I'm like, you know, it's, I just have a, I just had a feeling that uh, this is the 125th anniversary race that mm -hmm. that might increase demand a little bit plus the double qualifying window that it you know I'm like you know I'm probably just going to come up short so but it felt like to be able like you can't even apply unless you have that that BQ mm -hmm. so to just be able to like go in and enter my time it kind of brought back the feelings of that day and when I made the BQ time it was almost like the first I remember you know crossing the line and being choked up like. I can't believe I just did this. Like I just ran three hours. Like right. I, I, you know, I was like almost in tears and, you know, hugging um, my wife and, and my kids when I crossed that. And it just kind of brought back the feelings of that day that I could put, you know, all that hard work into that application and hit submit with my name on it. And what's cool is our local race um, timer. If you run a BQ time, like forever and always, when you go back and you look up that race result, there's a little unicorn next mm -hmm. to your name. And so even though, I didn't make it into the race by my time, time qualifier that, that unicorn's always going to be next to my name for that time. And, and, uh, being able to submit that application, um, was just brought back those, those, um, good feelings of that day. But yeah, it was a little bit of pins and needles, but my wife is 38 
almost 39 weeks pregnant and we've got three other kids running mm-hmm. around. So that was a, a good and welcome distraction where I didn't have to think so much about, you know, if I'm going to get in or not, I was pretty busy chasing the kids around. But, um, once I saw that it was, it, you know, the time wasn't good enough. Um, you know, I reached out to MDA and, and thankfully they, they mm-hmm. were able to connect me and get me in. Yeah. And that's, and that, that kind of brings me to, uh, to maybe the, where we'll start to wrap things up today, but the, you know, the, the family situation about to be a, a bigger, even bigger family than it already is, um, <laughs> which, which, you know, preemptive congratulations. And, and I guess by the time people listen to this, it'll already have, you know, you already be a, a father of four now. So that's, that's awesome. But, um, you know, we kind of talked about a, a big piece of your puzzle of going from, you know, in that 345, 350, 355 range down to down to three hours was simply, you know, simply, quote unquote, simply logging <laughs> more miles, getting more time on your feet, just getting out there, getting that, that base work in. Um, and I think that that's probably something that'll, that makes sense to a lot of folks, right? Like, like you want to improve your endurance, mm-hmm. you want to improve your fitness. Like there's, there's a hard, it's hard to substitute more miles for that. I mean, of course, there's a point where, diminishing returns and too much is probably not a good thing, but for a lot of us adding more miles is, is a good, a good way to, to improve our fitness and work towards our goals. But you know, we have life, right? Like, like we have kids, we have families, we have work, we have this, we have that. Clearly you do have all those things as well. Um, but how have you been able to, um, with the kids running around with work obligations, with, with all of the things that we all have, like what has worked for you in terms of being able to increase your mileage and, and, while still trying to maintain some level of balance in the other areas of your life? Well, um, thankfully for, for me, I've always had kind of ever since I, that first marathon, like when I fell in love with running, I've never really taken a break. I've always mm-hmm. kind of maintained that, that base. And with the, the busy work and, and kids schedule, I've always been very conscious of, of my calendar and I'll look and see like, okay, when do I have an hour? When do I have two hours to fit it in? So uh, I just kind of kept, kept that going. Like, um, you know, I'll pull up my calendar and I'll say, all right, I have a meeting at 10 and then I don't have another meeting till three somewhere in that window. I've got to get out and get after it. Or if my meeting day is going to be busy, um, you know, I'll say, okay, well, the kids are going to start getting out of bed around six 30. If I'm going to take an hour and a half to run, I got to get out of the door, you know, no later than five. So just kind of looking for where my opportunity would be and, um, you know, using that, you and, and making sure that I made time for, for the running in, in each day. Um, so I would have, you know, weeks in advance, kind of an idea of where, where that run might happen. Um, and for me, I know this is, you know, different for everyone, but I, I've got a, a flexible, uh, option at work where, you know, sometimes I, I just, it, I, I, ju- I just have to get logged back on later the other night. I think I logged off at two thirty AM because I decided to go for a run over the lunch hour and I put off the work till later. And then after the kids go to bed, I log back on and uh, I can finish the work that I hadn't done, you know, when I went that when I went out for my lunch hour run, because I I'd much rather be working at midnight than outside running at midnight. So um, I'll take advantage and run during the day and make up the work later. But, you know, just doing those trade offs and just trying to make sure you 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 find time in your calendar to, to uh, you know, fit it in. Yeah, I, I- obviously again like you said obviously everybody's situation is different some people have that flexibility with work some people don't but i think that the thing that we can all maybe take away from as far as as finding that that balance or maybe balance isn't even the right word but kind of figuring out when it when it fits is being intentional so some days you got more mm-hmm. windows some days you you don't 
Um, so maybe that becomes an off day. And maybe instead of being quote unquote married to a, I'm always take my off day on Monday. Like maybe your off day floats around or maybe, you know, maybe some yep. weeks you don't have an off day, but some weeks you have two or three off days, but you just kind of make it, make it work, but be intentional about, Hey, this is the window. This is when I can run. Um, obviously always being sure to listen to your body and not doing foolish things on that front. But like, mm-hmm. you know, for those of us that, that kind of can have a pretty set schedule, that's great. But those that can't be intentional, make it work. And, and, you know, if, if you do that and maybe instead of scrolling social media as much or scrolling this or scrolling that or watching, t- like not that there's anything wrong with those things, but if you're trying to mm-hmm. find time to, to run a little bit more, maybe that's, that's what it kind of takes. Yeah. You said it a lot better than I did. Yeah. Be intentional. And then also like, remember your motivation. So if, if you're a, a BQ dreamer, like I was, I would look, I, I had several books on running and one of them was Matt Fitzgerald. How bad do you want it? And I just remember if, when I had, when I looked in the only chance I had to run, if I wanted to run that day was at 5am and I'm not a morning person, mm-hmm. I'd say, how bad do I want it? Do I want it bad enough to get up and, and run my 10 miles at five in the morning? And if that answer was yes, then I was getting out of bed at five so that I could, so that I could, uh, you know, keep working towards that goal. Yeah. Yeah. Having those, those motivations in places is, is huge. So then that, that there teased me up for another question then, um, the BQ being the motivation, getting to Boston, obviously it got, it, it kind of got uh, taken away, but then you got the opportunity to go with, with team momentum and go run for the MDA for this year. So what are, what are you looking forward to most about running the, uh, the 125th Boston marathon? Um, yeah, just kind of seeing what that experience would be like. I kind of mm-hmm. snuck my way uh, to, to a little bit of the experience. There's the the famous like uh, Heartbreak Hill, mm-hmm. and I was in Boston for work uh, a few years ago, and I, I looked on Strava, and I said, okay, how far am I from Heartbreak Hill? And I was only about <laughs> four miles. So I ran, to, I ran out to the hill. I ran up the hill and back down and back, got back to my hotel. I'm like, that wasn't so bad. So now I'm kind of curious what it's going to feel like when it's not, you know, a four mile fun run when it's actually in the middle of the race. But I'm looking forward to all of the things that I've watched on, you know, TV, all the, mm-hmm. all these years, the, the scream tunnel and, you know, the, the seeing the sit go sign when you're coming in and, and actually feeling what those, those hills feel like late in the race and just kind of soaking in that whole experience. I I've heard other people talk a little bit about the, um, the athletes village, but I don't think they're going to do that this right. year. So I don't know how much of that experience that I'll have, but, um, but coming across that, that finish line and seeing, um, you know, I just remember the one of my, cause this was even before I ran one of the first times I had even heard of the Boston marathon was when the bombing happened. Cause at that, mm. at that time I wasn't, I wasn't a runner. Um, you know, I didn't know that there was a difference between the Boston marathon and the twin cities marathon, right. but, um, and, and, you know, being able to come up to that finish line and, and just, you know, memories going back to, you know, how the, how the city came together after that. And, um, you know, all the emotions that people have felt with that. And, and, um, yeah, there's just going to be so many things that just go with the, with this race and how it's so iconic. And, and, uh, I, I'm not even, I'm not even mm-hmm. sure. I've just, I, I just am looking forward to, uh, to running it and, and being part of part of history of the oldest uh, marathon in the world that's been yeah. going on for 125 years. Yeah, it's 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 going to be uh, it's going to be an. Ex- I mean, it's it's feeling. I feel like from not ever being there, but I feel like from watching it, being part of the running community, it's a, it's an exciting race every year. Um, but you know, couple the fact that it's 125 years, couple the fact that it's it's hopefully that next step towards getting back to big races, big city races, being being able to have 
people gather together and do those types of things safely. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting, even though it's going to be different than, than any other year. Um, but have you thought about yet what your strategy is? Like, are you going to have a strategy? You're going to go out and try to hammer. You're going to, you're going to soak it in and, and take four and a half hours and just enjoy <laughs> the whole thing. Like, like, have you, have you thought that far ahead yet? Or are you focused more on let's get the baby here. Let's get through the summer and, and get out there. Well, I've, so I've, so I've given that I was just a minute shy of the uh, <laughs> three hour mark. And then I, I had plans to try to break three last year, but all the races were canceled except for one early in the year. I came up a 56 seconds short in Mesa, Arizona. Um, and I missed a few other chances that I was going to go after it. I'm, I've kind of got, you know, the, the competitive spirit to try to push for three, but people tell me Boston's not the course to do it, but you know, there's also that competitiveness that wants to say, well, that's all the more reason to try to do it there, but we'll have to see. Cause uh, baby, baby's going to come first. But, um, if I can fit in the training, uh, it'll be to go for, for sub three. If the training is not happening, I'm not going to be foolish enough to try it. I'm just going to make it a fun run and enjoy it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, either, either way, uh, certainly looking forward to, to hearing about it. And I, I know you kind of said you weren't sure you wanted to plug it, but we're going to plug it anyway. If people want to support your fundraising <laughs> mission to get there, uh, I know you have a website set up, right? What's, what's the link to get there? Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, it's chessrunsboston.com, and that automatically redirects to the, uh, to the donation page. It's been live for uh, just over 24 hours. Um, it's, a big, it's a big goal this year of 10000 and We're at 2000 or just under 2000 right now, and grateful for every single dollar, every single donation uh, for, for MDA, um, for all charities, not just MDA. Right. 2020 was a really hard year because in-person events really drive um, donations, and um, we had some some pretty fun events that um, our kids look forward to that we weren't able to fund in 2020. So I'm looking forward to raising a bunch of money for MDA and getting uh, all the things that all the wonderful things that MDA does for our families, being able to to get those things back on the calendar and be able to do those awesome things for MDA once again. Yeah. And, and, uh, you mentioned how in person, like we think about, at least I think about it as running like, Oh yeah. In person races like that makes, but even beyond that, I mean, just in person events and auctions and fundraisers and dinners and all those types of things, um, that didn't happen last year, at least didn't happen for the last nine months of, of last year. So, uh, chess, what was it again? One more time. Cause I'm, I'm going to screw it up, but we'll have it in the show notes for sure. But, <laughs> but, but give it to us one more time. Thank you. It's chessrunsboston.com. And uh, my name is spelled with one S. So it's C-H-E-S for chess. Right. And again, we'll have it in the show notes. Dizruns.com slash 952. Uh, one, one last question for you, Chess, before we get you out of here. Got to get you a little something philosophical to, <laughs> to wrap things up today, which again, you knew that was coming. So this, this shouldn't be coming out of, out of uh, left field for you. Um, but, but at this point in your life, you know, uh, lots, of, lots of success, I would call it, lots of success in running, lots of, of progress. Uh, obviously having a, a big reason why with, with raising money for, for MDA. Um, but, but what does, what does running mean to you? Like you personally, what, what does it, what does it mean to you to get out there get your miles in, push yourself, uh, you know, aim for these, these time goals and, and be able to, to scratch that competitive itch. Like, what does it mean to you to still be able to get out and, and be a runner uh, and just get your miles in every single day? Yeah, I would say the the endorphins are real. I feel fantastic after I run, I, whether it was a, a run where I was trying to run for a specific time or it's just a beautiful day and I just want to be outside um, and out of the office and away from a computer for a little bit. Um, I feel like it, it, you know, people 
people who say they are, they ask me, they're like, why, why are you smiling so much? Or why are you so happy? And it's, part of it is just, you know, being able to run and that my, all of my muscles in my body work and that I'm able to use them. And, um, you know, running just kind of bring, it makes me a happier person. It's something that, you know, my, I, I love that I have energy to run around and keep up with these, with these kids. When I was at my heaviest weight, when my nephews and nieces would come over, I'd be tired or sore and I wouldn't want to go and run around with them, but I'm not going to have that problem with my kids. Um, that, you know, that I'm healthy and that I'm active and that I'm showing them how to be healthy and active and that we can, and this is something that hopefully we'll be able to do together, you know, years down the road when they're big enough to, to run too. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it, it makes me a happier person and it, and then hopefully it'll be something that I can pass on to my kids to make them happy and healthy when they get bigger. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, keep, keep doing it, my friend. Keep, keep picking them up, keep putting them down. Uh, hopefully keep picking them up and putting them down even faster than the last time. Um, but I uh, certainly wish you uh, nothing but, but the best going forward with, with Boston, with the addition to the family, with the training, with, with the fundraising. Um, and, and once again, guys, uh, disruns.com slash nine five two is a link back to the show notes for today. Photos, links, the whole nine. And, and especially that, that fundraising link. If you're, if you're so inclined to, to help out, uh, chess and his, his race in Boston and, and, you know, more importantly, I, I'll say more importantly, uh, the mission of, of the muscular dystrophy association and the great work that they're doing. So, uh, chess, thank you for the time today. Thanks for, for taking me with you on so many runs and miles and errands and all the things over the years. Glad we were finally <laughs> able to do this and, uh, looking forward to probably doing it again at some point down the road for whatever the next thing is somewhere, somewhere in the future. But again, thanks for the time today and nothing but the best, my friend. Denny, thank you so much. It was great to, uh, to be on the podcast and, and, uh, it'll be funny listening, <laughs> listening to myself back on here after listening to so many episodes of, uh, other other folks on here so i I appreciate the platform all right guys thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show hope you enjoyed the conversation between chess and myself and uh, as per usual be curious to know kind of what what your takeaway was from today what was what was something that really stood out to you from today's episode that uh, maybe you hadn't thought about before maybe you thought about it and forgotten it or uh just whatever made made you chuckle i don't know what was your takeaway from today uh, for me, it was when, when Chess was talking about running that, that 3.30 marathon, that, that big chunk, that big step in the, the direction of his Boston Marathon goals. And uh, the, the takeaway part was that he wasn't anticipating it. He didn't go into that race with some big-time goal, uh, some super detailed plan as far as splits and, and strategy and all of the things that we often think about. And even that I often, as a coach, help my athletes to, to put into place uh, to kind of help them hopefully be successful. And, you know, one thing that I've, I've learned both for myself and I've seen it play out a couple times with, with some of the athletes I coach and what Chess found out that day as well is that sometimes having no plan, having no expectations actually helps with the performance actually helps you to, to meet and maybe exceed your goals. And I think that the reason for that is that sometimes by doing so, we take the pressure off of ourselves, right? We, we, we stop thinking too much or maybe we, we stop overthinking and just go out and run. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's tricky because I think having a plan is a good thing, right? Like having, having a goal, having a, a plan that makes sense to help you get there is, is maybe not required, but in a lot of cases is, is a good thing, is beneficial, but if we're not careful, I think we can take it too far 
and f- almost force ourselves to to again to overthink to spend too much mental energy on making sure everything lines up the day before in terms of what to eat and staying off our feet and getting to bed at a certain time and falling asleep and oh my gosh I didn't get great sleep last night and now and now it, things can spiral out of control or you get to the start line and you're ready to go and then you you run your first mile and oh my gosh I ran 10 seconds too fast or 6 seconds too slow and then and then you try to start doing all the the mental math of like I need to pick it up I need to slow it down I need to do this I need to do that and somewhere along that line along that timeline I think we can we can whether we we overthink it we put too much pressure on ourselves whatever it is we can kind of almost self sabotage some of us, some, some people, maybe not so much. Um, but I think sometimes the idea of just going into it with, with no plan, no, no super detailed strategy can almost be the best thing. Cause you just take the pressure off and you can just run and just listen to your body, trust what your body's telling you, trust how you're feeling and just go. And, and sometimes I think that can be the, the best, the best way to, to hit the mark or to have a big PR things like that. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know whether that would work for you. I, I feel like it has helped me, has worked for me having those races where there's no pressure, there's no ambitions, there's no real expectations. I'm just going to go. It's, it's been helpful. And something that, uh, you know, when, when Chess was mentioning that, I was just like, yeah, yes, that lack of pressure can be, can be a real game changer. So something to think about maybe as races start coming back online and, and maybe you've got some races lined up for this summer, this fall, Maybe playing with the idea of going into it with no expectations and no plans and just kind of seeing what happens. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll try it. I'll let you know. If you try it, you let me know. But that's my takeaway. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? Let me know at DizRuns on Twitter, at DizRuns on Instagram. Uh, of course, you can also shoot me an email, DizRuns at gmail.com or, and or, whatever works best for you. You can also head over to the show notes for today, DizRuns.com slash 952. All the links, all the photos, all the things as per usual including that comment section down at the bottom. Leave your thoughts and feedbacks and takeaways from today's episode down there and a great place to start the conversation. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and start wrapping this one up. Uh, Once again, if you haven't checked out the Little Things course yet, or if you have, but you need a a reminder, which apparently I do because uh, I don't do, I don't always practice what I preach. Uh, Dizruns.com slash little things is the link. Uh, All the things that are there are totally free. No, uh, no, hidden stuff or no extra bonuses or anything like that just just check it out get something useful out of it and let me know what you think about it because uh uh hopefully you know obviously the 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 time and effort that went into it i hope it's useful for you and uh, if it is would love to hear kind of what what you thought of it what you what your takeaways from the course were or what your takeaways were from this episode either way you know where to find me and uh with that we'll go ahead and wrap this one up Uh, if you enjoyed this episode hit that share button that's always helpful and, and useful and very much appreciated as well And uh, until next time, y'all, please be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, right? See you guys.